Good evening, church. Merry Christmas. Seriously? Merry Christmas. There. Thank you. That's much better. That was sad. <laughs> so hopefully we can cheer you guys up tonight. Talk about something that uh, talk about something I think we can all agree with, right? So, uh, Merry Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, and uh, tomorrow's the big day. So I don't think some of you know that. Judging from the greeting, tomorrow is Christmas. So, so there we go. Yeah, tomorrow's a big day, right? So tomorrow's the culmination of all of our prep for the last month, getting ready for Christmas, right? Um, we have decorated our homes, and so we've got our lights up, our trees are up, manger scenes are out, Christmas music's been playing. Um, if you would be so brave as to uh, raise your hand if you started playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving... There we go. Yeah, those are the, you guys are the ones, everyone's judging you right now. So, <laughs> and judging me too, because we did too, right? So, um, my people started playing Christmas music like right after Halloween, like the day after. And um, I made a couple jokes about it, but I didn't really do much to put a stop to it because I was kind of excited. And so I'm not afraid to admit that. I was okay with it because I got excited about what it meant. Like Christmas was on the way. It's almost here. It's a great time of year. And so, um, so our house is decorated. Christmas music is playing. We started shopping. Um, we started thinking about what kind of gifts we want to get. And we started shopping for people. And um, so I hope you're done with your shopping by now. If you're not, you better have a good excuse. Uh, so then there's the food. Right? So shopping, and we're just kind of thinking about all the things that make Christmas Christmas. We've decorated shopping. There's food. There's way too much food, more food than anyone really can eat. Leftovers for days and days and days. And um, all the food is just way more sugary than it really needs to be for some reason. And so, uh, so you got food, decorating music. All these things kind of go together. They combine to make Christmas Christmas. This is what we think about when we think of Christmas. Think about like visiting family would be another thing. Um, reading through an Advent devotional, coming to a Christmas Eve service. These are the kind of things that our Christmas memories are made of. When we think about Christmas, this is what Christmas means to us, right? But there's one of these things in particular that I think um, really represents more than any of the others what Christmas is all about. And so some of you know me, and you're probably thinking right now, like, how is he going to make this whole thing about food? This is going to be amazing. <laughs> it's not food. It's the gifts, right? It's the gifts. Seriously, out of all the things that we do, out of all the things that come together to make Christmas, Christmas, the one thing that I think represents the reason for Christmas is gifts. And not even the giving of gifts, the receiving of gifts. It's the receiving of gifts. That's what I want us to talk about tonight in, the next few, in our next few minutes together. And I want to show you how receiving gifts is the most important thing that we can do this season to remind ourselves of why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. So we're going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 12. It's already been read, but I want to read it again. 
Um, on Sunday mornings, we've been preaching through the book of Luke. And so we've been in Luke chapters 1 and 2 this past Sunday. Last week, we looked at Jesus' birth. We talked about the angels and the announcement. We talked about uh, the shepherds, talked about what it means to have peace with God. But there's someone, or several someones, really, that we haven't talked about yet. And it's because Luke doesn't talk about them. So if you're thinking through your manger scene, you know I'm talking about the wise men, the magi from the east. We're going to talk about those guys tonight. So we're going to read Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then... Opening their gifts, they offered him their gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Matthew and Luke record different things about the birth of Christ, different or things that serve their different purposes for writing their gospel accounts. Luke writes for a, a wider audience that includes Gentiles, so he focuses on the message of Jesus as the Savior to the whole world. Matthew, on the other hand, is writing for a Jewish audience to present Jesus as their promised Messiah. Luke's birth story highlights the peace that Jesus brings to all kinds of people, even the dirty, lowly shepherds, the bottom of society's barrel. And Matthew's story includes this story, the trip of the Magi, these wise men who traveled in to worship and see this newborn king. They come into Jerusalem asking where they can find this king of the Jews, this, they use a title that, uh, they use it reverently here as they seek this newborn king to worship him. It's the same title that would be used mockingly to hang above his head before his death. As he hung on the cross, king of the Jews was written above his head. And Matthew wants to show his Jewish brothers and sisters that this Jesus is the one that the prophets spoke about. The one that was promised to reign forever. And so the inclusion of this story in Matthew's gospel is very purposeful. These wise men traveling in from afar to worship the one who has been born the king of the Jews. But who are the wise men? Let's talk about the wise men for a minute. There's not a lot that we know about the wise men. So for, for instance, we don't know um, where they're from exactly. We know that they're from the east, possibly Babylon, which might have made them familiar with some Old Testament prophecy. We do know that they were men of learning. They were very intelligent. Um, They were scientists or astrologists of some sort who were searching for this new king because they had been interpreting signs in the stars. We know that they had access to considerable resources. 
The gifts that they brought were not cheap gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So it's possible that they were very wealthy. We don't know how many wise men there were. Traditionally, we assume that there were three, since there were three gifts mentioned. But Matthew really doesn't say how many wise men there were. There might have been only two, and one was an overachiever and brought two gifts. Or there might have been, uh, there might have been ten, and they just all went in together on the same three gifts. We don't know. And so if it, uh, if it bothers you to think that your nativity might have the wrong number of wise men, I'll tell you how to fix it. Just take them and move them to the other side of the room. Just get them out of there altogether. That's what I do at our major scene. I take them. I've figured out which way is east, and I move our wise men to the east side of the living room. And then Heather moves them back, and then I move them back, and she moves them back. And so our wise men make several trips to the manger scene. Um, because that's another thing that we don't know. We don't know when they visited Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. It was almost certainly not the night that he was born, sometime after, possibly even up to two years after he was born, when the wise men didn't return to Herod, according to the timeline that he got from the wise men, Herod had all the children two years of age and under killed to try to eliminate this newborn king. At the end of the day, though, it doesn't really matter Um, how many there were, where they came from, or when they arrived at the manger scene. The things that we don't know are not important. What's important is what we do know, and what we do know, one thing that we do know is why they were there. We know their purpose for being there, and their purpose was to worship this newborn king. And so they brought gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, which was expensive and associated with royalty, Frankincense, which was used for um, ceremonial worship of God. And myrrh, which had many uses, one of which being to prepare bodies for burial. In fact, in John 19, it says that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea used a mixture of myrrh to prepare Jesus' own body for burial. And so these men brought gifts for for this newborn king. Unprompted, they brought gifts. They gave expensive gifts. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were extremely grateful So maybe the nature of the gifts themselves had a deeper meaning. But I think that at least the gifts were a a providential provision from God, a practical blessing for Mary and Joseph to use as they had to flee to Egypt right after this to escape Herod's order to kill all of the the newborns. And so through these men, uh, without even knowing, God had provided for Mary and Joseph. So these men came to worship. Gifts in hand, they came to worship this newborn king. And the irony is that they had no idea the, the gift that was lying right in front of them, this newborn baby, the gift that this baby was. Not to take anything away from their gifts, they brought expensive, nice gifts. But what is all the gold in the world compared to the gift of this baby that was lying right in front of them, the Savior of the world? This baby, Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves. The Son of God, God himself, entered into time and space, took on a body as a baby to grow up and live perfectly for his people and then die in their place to set them free from sin and death and restore their fellowship with God. That's the gift that is lying right in front of these men. That's the gift of Christmas. That's what Jesus came to do, save his people He didn't come to take the throne from Herod. He didn't come to take the throne from Caesar. He came to take the throne from every one of us who wants to sit on it ourselves and rule over our own lives. 
the gift of Christmas is that God sent his son to save sinners. And so Christmas is all about God giving gifts, unprompted God giving gifts to the world that the world did not deserve. And that's grace. That is amazing grace. And so that's the thing about gifts. Gifts are totally undeserved. If you deserve something or someone owes it to you and they give you something, it's no longer a a gift. Gifts are born out of the initiative and the pleasure of the giver. And so that's why I say that receiving gifts is the part of Christmas like nothing else, like no other thing that we do at Christmas time. Receiving gifts is the thing that we do that helps us understand why we have Christmas, why we celebrate Christmas, because God is the giver, and out of his own initiative, out of his own pleasure, totally unprompted and totally undeserving, under no compulsion from anyone or anything, he gave us the gift of his son. One time Jesus was speaking to a woman at a well. The story is in John chapter 4. And Jesus asked her for a drink. And it confused the woman. She couldn't believe that he, a Jew, would ask her, a Samaritan, for a drink of water. Jews and Samaritans didn't exactly get along. And Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. What Jesus said to her, he said, If you only knew who you were talking to, and you knew what I have that I can give to you, you could have life. You could have the gift of God. You could have life. And Jesus is that gift. He's the gift of God. God gave him to undeserving people, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, Oops, was I on the wrong slide? Nope. Chapter 3 didn't make it. You guys will have to use your imagination. Romans 3, the Apostle Paul says that even though we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, it's a good thing this is a familiar verse. Even though we fully deserve death and hell, we're justified, verse 24. In other words, even though we are guilty before God, he declares us not guilty. And that's a gift by his grace. God sent his son, Jesus, and by faith in him, we have the free gift of justification, being declared not guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but the free gift of God is that we can be justified and declared not guilty. Jesus has paid our penalty, and so undeserving people are set free, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And then in Romans chapter 6 as well, another familiar passage, Paul talks about the gift of God in a slightly different way. He says that the wages of sin is death, that we've all earned death for our sin, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here, eternal life is the gift. The wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought costly, nice gifts. And so we don't want to take anything away from that, but what are gold, frankincense, and myrrh in the span of eternity? And that's what we're talking about here. The gift of the baby that they bowed down to worship is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's the free gift of God to undeserving people. And so that's why we celebrate Christmas. I think as believers in Jesus Christ, we understand better than anyone Better than anyone in the world, I think that we understand the benefit and the value of receiving a gift. 
something that we haven't earned or deserved. And I don't say that in a boastful way, not to say that we're better than anyone else. We're not better than anyone else. What I mean is that our lives as believers in Christ, our whole lives are built around this concept of being given something that we don't deserve and that we could never do for ourselves. We've been given a gift. We understand that we were separated from God with no way to bridge the gap between him and us that was caused by our sin. But then God, in his mercy, out of pure grace, sent his son to do the work on our behalf. And now we have all received the benefits of Christ's perfect life. And so that is the message of Christmas. And I think that we should be reminded of that every single time that we open a gift. Every time this Christmas that we open a gift, we should be reminded of the gift that we have been given in Christ Jesus because of the mercy and the grace of God. Ephesians 2. Man, these are all messed up. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, I think should play over and over in our minds every single time that we open a gift. It should be a passage that we consider every Christmas because it so perfectly describes the need and the outcome for this season that we're celebrating right now. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's not working, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, oh, like the rest of mankind, sorry. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God not a result of works so that no one can boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Interpreters disagree about what Paul is referring to here in this passage when he talks about the gift of God. Is he referring to being saved by grace through faith, the whole mode of salvation? Is that the gift, or is the gift faith directly? You've been saved by grace through faith, and this is the gift of God. For our purposes this evening, it doesn't really matter whether God gives faith as a gift or whether the salvation, the whole mode of it, uh, salvation by grace through faith, is the gift. doesn't matter. The point remains that we were all deserving, every one of us, myself included, every one of us were deserving of God's wrath. We were deserving of this unimaginable punishment that will take all of eternity to exhaust But God, being rich in mercy because of his own love, gave us the gift of Christmas. We were totally undeserving. And he didn't owe anything to us, but he gave us a gift. He sent his son into the world. And now, by grace, through faith in Jesus, we can be saved. And our good works give glory to God as the giver of all good gifts. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is why whenever you open your gifts tonight or tomorrow. Uh, we'll probably open some tonight and some tomorrow and some the next day and the next day because our Christmas is all spread out. But every time that we do, 
every time that we open gifts, the simple act of, of just receiving something that we don't deserve, something that someone has given us out of the kindness of their heart, not because they owed it to us, but because they love us and they want to express that love to us, every time that we receive that gift, I believe it has the power to remind us of the gospel like no other thing that we do at this time of year. The music is great and, and the lyrics are wonderful and, and we love to sing and food is wonderful and decorations are nice, but those things, I don't think any of those things have the power to remind us of the gospel, like opening a gift and being reminded that we have been given a gift that we did not deserve or earn. God gave us the greatest gift of all in his son Jesus, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. So here's what I want you to do. Maybe you'll be opening gifts later tonight or tomorrow morning, for sure tomorrow morning. Whenever you're opening your gifts, I want every person in this room When you get a gift, I want you to take two seconds before you open that gift and just say this little prayer. Say, thank you, God, for the gift of your son, Jesus. That's it. Just a simple prayer of thanksgiving. Take you two seconds in your mind. Just every time that you open a gift this Christmas, just remember these words and say these words to yourself or not to yourself. Say them to God. Thank you, God, for the gift of your son, Jesus. That's it. The gift of Jesus come into the world to save sinners who don't deserve it. If you're not a believer, you've never put your faith in Jesus and you've never received the gifts that we've been talking about this evening, salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, um, even others that we haven't talked about tonight, peace, joy, hope, the kind of things that come from knowing God. Tonight could be a night that you will never, ever forget Christmas Eve 2023 when you received the greatest gift that anyone could ever offer to you. You can do that tonight. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, is what the Bible tells us. Not believe in your brain, just in in the, the fact of his existence. Believe in your heart that the gift of Christmas is for you. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in the fact that he came into the world to save you. And that that's the gift of Christmas. If you want to know more what that means, I would love to talk to you. I know there's a lot of people here who would love to talk to you. Come find me after the service and we'll talk. We're going to sing. Um, we're going to close by singing Silent Night in just a moment. Somebody will be coming by to um, light your candles. If you don't have a candle, you want to run and grab one real quick, now would be the time. Um, parents, if you have kids with candles, you're going to want to help them out here. So, uh, just a minute, the lights are going to go, go down. As more of the candles start to get lit, the lights are going to go down. And we're going to sing. As we sing, as we sing these words, Christ the Savior is born. I want you to think about what that means for you. Just think about what it means that Christ the Savior is born. What does that mean in your life? What does it mean for God to give you the gift of a Savior in Jesus? And then as you open your gifts this Christmas, just remember why we celebrate. Take two seconds and remember to thank God as you open your gifts for all the gifts that he's given you in the Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord. Thank you, God, for the gift of your son, Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for this evening and for uh, this time that we have together. We pray that you would help us to remember you, be reminded as we open our gifts of the greatest gift that you've ever given the world, a gift we didn't deserve, a gift that um, is just totally out of your pure grace and your own pleasure. We love you. We worship you. We thank you for everything that this evening means to us, the gift of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.